mini episode 1240 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1240. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris. And we have with us here today a great FDH Lounge dignitary, my friend Jake Digman. We are talking about the protest situation post-George Floyd on the streets of America. And uh, just a note about this on, on how we arrived at this particular uh, segment. While we are still working on, uh, in terms of the guest booking, of uh, getting somebody where uh, there would be a little bit of, uh, more, let's just say, diversity talking to me. Uh, about the uh, the topic. I didn't want to wait for that to be the case. Didn't know how long it was going to take to get uh, essentially both sides of the racial equation represented in, in the, the conversation here. Wanted to have a conversation on the show because we're always talking about whatever people are talking about at a given point in time, whether it's uh, the NFL, uh, the greatest, the latest and greatest pro wrestling event going on, uh, TV shows, whatever the case may be. But a lot of times ripped from the headlines and we've been talking coronavirus the last couple of months, so we're doing as much talk on that. There's no way that you can't do a conversation about this while it is still out there at the forefront. And specifically, I settled on my good friend Jake Jennings Digman because out of all of the dignitaries that we have here, when you're talking about checking off all the boxes here in terms of intellectual curiosity and honesty, most of all, basically balls. you got to have balls to be willing to come on a show and talk about this because it's a very incendiary time, and it takes a lot of guts to speak honestly on this situation, particularly in the clickbait culture uh, that we're in, the outrage culture, the cancel culture that we're in, to, to have uh, the balls to speak honestly about what you think and, and where we can go as a society from here to try to make things better. Uh, that is not uh, representative of everybody that I know uh, as far as uh, the level of commitment uh, for doing something like this. So I greatly appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. It's always a little bit lighter when we're talking about wrestling or MMA digs or other fun stuff. But uh, you're a guy who's game for anything, and I truly appreciate that. Well, uh, thank you for the very kind introduction. I appreciate that, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. You, know, you and I always have a, a great conversation. Going to end up going up. Uh, actually, it's funny. Thank you for mentioning my balls. I was actually standing <laughs> next to my, I was next to my Midtown Card Balls Mahoney figure in my toy museum with uh, evolution on in the background for your recommendation. Uh, <laughs> but up here, I'm looking forward to having a insightful conversation about uh, the, what's going on. Hey, remember when we had coronavirus? That was fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Remember when the yeah, public yeah. health authorities were saying that uh, you shouldn't be out there doing this? I mean. The thing I will say is this, as somebody who backed the public health authorities as much as I did and thought that they erred on the sake of uh, caution, and I, I do believe that we saved a lot of lives even as, yes, we were wreaking a lot of economic damage. I mean, again, 
I, I certainly feel like I have some egg on my face for them to be out there. So Not all of them, but so many of them were like, oh, that's fine. Oh, the protests. Oh, you can't catch coronavirus from that. Like, come on. We, we do have to have a universal standard here. There are some public health professionals that are at least saying if you're going to be out there, be out there with masks, practice social distancing, etc. But, I mean, you make an excellent point on that, dude. I mean, this is a thing where months and months of what was getting beaten into our heads about how we're supposed to stay safe went out the window as soon as somebody thought that uh, it was advantageous to do so. Uh, yeah, and it was, it was like the next thing that came along, and we could do an entire show just on, on that. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it took a, a spark that happened um, that, you know, created a reason for people wanting to go out and take part in these protests and these marches. And it's interesting to me because, you know, there's several different groups that are out there right now. And, COVID, you know, we, we mentioned COVID-19. A lot of people that were being locked up, you got to think there's there's like dif different groups. There's the, the Black Lives Matter group that's out there that has their cause of, of <laughs> their cause. And, yeah. you know, it's justifiable. We have a whole, we have a, a white supremacist out there doing whatever they're, they're, they've always been there. Right. The people out in the, the woods that are out, you know, in the commune out west, you know, they just have their things and their guns. Then you have, you know, the, the, uh, the leftist extremist group that just want anarchy, uh, anarchy and chaos. You've got that. And you have a whole other group of people that didn't get money for two months and that was quarantined into a house that has a lot of built up rage. So yeah. all of these things, and you have, we have a commander-in-chief that, quite frankly, isn't really helping the situation. He isn't saying anything that's, you know, he isn't saying things that are just trying to quell it. It almost seems like he's saying something, he's very much catering to his base, and he's saying things that's trying to rouse the flames up again. And all the things that make you stand back and go, hmm. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing, and you're 100% right on that, and, and I'm somebody who, again, as has been established over time, as we're going to establish again here tonight in the course of uh, my side of the conversation, somebody who is, uh, you know, well on the right side of the, the, the spectrum, but not somebody who voted for Trump in 2016. When my boy Rand Paul uh, went down in the primaries, I ended up voting Constitution Party. And being somebody that votes on policies as much as I do, and, and having basically no expectations whatsoever for Trump, looking at uh, the policies, looking at the judicial candidates uh, who, who he's put up, who I happen to like for the most part. Again, looking at this and going, hmm, okay, well, this has been better than my low bar of expectations. I was open until fairly recently to this time voting for Trump. And uh, again, the mask shaming that he did during the pandemic, I'm like, nah, that's, that's as soon as the lesser of two evils is literally <laughs> two evils in my mind, then I ain't doing it, so... You know, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not going to be the guy to contradict you on that point about Trump because I agree with it. And it's a thing where, and I just, I'm, I'm going to put out there as far as the whole Drew Brees controversy and what he had said about flag kneeling and stuff like that. I'm a guy where, again, from my own point of view, uh, I, again, my, my entire thing with my reverence that I have for veterans, I'm not ever going to be personally in favor of anything that I think might offend veterans or any of their friends who died who we celebrate on Memorial Day or anything like that. But nor am I out there on social media. I'm not whipping up a frenzy about it. I'm not sitting here actively denouncing. It's not for me as far as a preferred way 
of protest. But this is the thing. This is the second time that Trump has whipped it up, as he did when he when he uh, tweeted about Roger Goodell a couple of days ago, of where he's basically gone, I double-dog dare you to the NFL players to kneel. And the thing that his most fervent supporters don't see and will never admit, Jake, is this thing that he claims to be so opposed to, and many of them are so opposed to, he has ginned up more of it than would be there otherwise just to try to exploit it for political purposes. He's caused more of it twice now than there would otherwise be. If it's 100% of the players kneel in week one, I hardly believe it would have been 100% regardless. But now it very well might be just because of what he did. He's got to own that. He caused more of it. And like you said, feeding into the divisiveness because he feels like it uh, benefits him. The old guy in Buffalo, the poor old guy who, again, I'm sure I don't agree with much of the, in the way of that guy's politics, but but holy crap, nobody deserves to get shoved out on the pavement the way that he did. And the way that, that, that uh, Trump uh, so disrespectfully tweeted about him when he's in the hospital for a skull fracture, I mean, we could go on and on and on, but uh, again... Oh, we'll get there. Yeah, I, exactly. We'll there. Oh, I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, pouring oil on the fire here, pouring kerosene on the fire... It is I mean, it's just, I, I can't believe that what, I, what what you and I are saying would actually be disputed by a fair cross-section of our country, but this just in, pouring kerosene on a fire is not the way forward when you're commander-in-chief. I agree with you 100%, and uh, you might recall, early on the week, I'm never relieving, I used to be on some social media especially, I used to you know, talk politics, you know, my, uh, my libertarian point of view, and try to get people on both sides, people say, hey, you know, we can find a spot in the middle where we all agree. It's like, you know, it's when you take the money out of this thing, that's where, you know, if you take the money out of it, we can all find a spot in the middle where we can all get along. That's not the case anymore. Right. It, it is, it is to the point where, like, you know, I sat after, um, when the whole, uh, I was watching, actually, you know, I, I was watching on CNN because they were the only one giving actual coverage of it. The so nothing of, um, uh, when the uh, riots were protesting and riots about you to make And uh, we're sitting there watching this, and I'm just like, holy crap. And, you know, you, you wait for some kind of a response from the commander-in-chief to say something. And he speaks out through his, like, favorite, his favorite means of communication, which is Twitter. And he just, you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't have the exact tweets up in front of me right now, but it's like, you know, he's calling out everybody, everybody else but himself. Yeah. And I, I put a Facebook post. The first time I said really anything about Trump other than refereeing and for wrestling. I'll do some things like that. You know, it's okay. But, um, first time I put something out there, I, I, I asked Trump supporters, I'm like, how do you support this? You know? Yeah. And I ended it like, what if we took the exact same thing, the exact same words, exact same behavior, we changed the name to Obama? How would you read it? Yeah. Well, and, it, you know, that's an excellent point. And, Mind you, I am not like, you know, I've, I've never once in my life voted for a Democrat nor a Republican for president. I don't know that I ever will. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the position where I come from on this. And I just look at this and I'm like, okay, you have a chance twice now to step up, be a leader that's like during first during the COVID-19 and the second during, you know, what's going on right now. There's a clear movement that's happening and that needs to, like, the need for police reform is long overdue in my opinion. Yeah. It is one of those things that, you know, people say defund the police. It's like, no, the police should not be militarized. The police should not be stripping through. It, this thing is back to, to, to economics. Right. Um, you, 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 where the police target are 
minorities, black, Mexicans, what, you know, uh, whatever, whatever the area is, the country area. So you have that, and, and then you keep both beefing up the, the police enforcement in there, you can just lead to this chaos because all of the jobs that were there left. That makes sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It does. Occasionally, occasionally I watch some stuff. And, and, and again, I agree with you. The, the defunding thing is absolutely insane. Uh, the, the, the funny thing is there are some very smart Democratic operatives who see that this is just playing into Trump's hands. Trump is just drooling at the notion of uh, Minneapolis uh, basically wait, turning into Somalia. the thing, and that's that's the example, and, and, and Trump, quite frankly, wants to see more of that, because it's something he can point to and run against, and again, I can't believe that there are areas that would be stupid enough to do that. As a friend of mine pointed out to me, because you were talking about all the disparate elements involved in the destruction on the streets here, and if I was to make a pie chart, I would say, you know, the white nationalists and whatever, my educated guess would be, because I don't think they carry a lot of weight uh, as far as uh, membership, as far as money, whatever. They're out there trying to stir it up where they can. I think on the left side of the spectrum, Antifa, I think there's a lot more power and energy. You go back years, even to like Trump's inauguration, some of the riots that took place uh, then, this is nothing new. This has been going on for a couple of years now. But anyways, regardless of that, the, the, I had a friend of mine text me today, and said, you know who the people are who love this defund the police thing the most or disband the police department? It's the white supremacists. Because they love the notion of, because as much as I sit here, and again, from a political point of view, I've always, uh, and again, I have different policy prescriptions in mind than a lot of people do, because I think a lot of what we've done in the last 50 to 60 years since the Great Society hasn't worked. So I've been in favor of better innovations, and the ideas from my side of the spectrum, but but at the same time, you know, coming from uh, what I would say is is, is a, a period of you know a, a thing of concern and feeling badly for people in disadvantaged areas. Those people, holy crap, I would be heartbroken for them. I mean, I'm not one of these people who would be chortling like, oh ha ha, bring it on. Yeah, no, it, it will prove once and for all the stupidity of it, but at the cost of a lot of innocent blood in in Minneapolis. 
all the people in those areas that are going to be ravaged when there's nobody to stop criminals. And oh, by the way, how long is the Mall of America going to be there? How long are all these other things going to stay there? You talk about de-investment, Jake Digman. It'll be de-investment from businesses getting the hell out of Dodge when that happens. Yeah, these are absolutely unprecedented times because it's like, you know, it's something that neither one of us, you know, we ever thought we'd see in our lifetime. No. And I completely agree on your comment of, you know, the ones who gain the most out of this are the, the white supremacists. Yeah. Don't look at it as, I don't know if you should be thinking, is that their official title? I don't know what they are, you know. But, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I know that's one of the groups, but, you know, there's a whole other group that are just anti. Uh, what are technically the people that are, like, that live out in the woods and government wouldn't that make them anti-fascist it uh wouldn't make them anti-fascist too also well ted kaczynski's not here to ask if he would have been a member of that or not we'll never know he was a bit of a loner from what i understand that's true not a joiner not a joiner per yeah, se yeah. he wasn't really wasn't really big in the crowd <laughs> <laughs> we're horrible people we're going to tell you we, we, dude <laughs> Yeah, there aren't there aren't many ways that you can keep a conversation like this light. So if we can work in some Kaczynski yeah, jokes, yeah, you know, it's 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 well worth doing. So, yeah. So like going back to like we were talking about before, like watching this whole thing unfold, I was sitting there just mesmerized. Like okay, because you know you see things, and then all of a sudden, like you, never in my life would I ever expect to see you know a police station taken over. Right. And it's almost like I was like, that's odd. Like there's just me going bye bye. <laughs> Right. Um, and then everything from here, the one thing that needs to come out of this is that there needs to be, I mean, and it's funny, I had a conversation with someone, I just said, this is bad or funny. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend, I was telling her about, uh, we're talking about, you know, all of this, but the worst part is, if they want their message heard, they have to go with the money is, but they're going to attack their own, and the, the poor will always devour the poor. Yeah. Always. Well, always throughout history, the poor destroys and devours their own, and it's just like, Conversations like this, and this might be somewhat antithetical to you know my point, and and you're making a point too of these being complicated, tangled issues and stuff like that. The closest I'm going to get to a broad brush is painting out all the areas where uh, one of the perennial banes of my existence, woke white people, continue to make this shit worse because of again some of the elitism. Let's just start with there of the whole thing of like, well these. You can't blame them for, you know, rioting and whatever. Well, first of all, that's them presuming that it's them as opposed to outside agitators, mostly white outside agitators, which you and I have pointed out. Whatever the background, it was a hell of a lot of white people there leading the rioting and stuff like that. So, first of all, uh, kind of racist for them to make that assumption, which is ironic, isn't it? But beyond that, it's a thing where the, the damage done, you're talking about that, Jake. You are right. There are areas in uh, downtowns, off of downtown areas, whatever, across this country 
that have never been the same since the riots of the late 60s. And here we go again. It could be decades until some of these areas come back. By the way, you mentioned it before. Yeah, exactly. And we're in the midst of depression-level unemployment, however long that lasts, as a result of the coronavirus shutdowns. You add that to it as well. What do the riots do? What do the damage to businesses do during this fragile period of trying to come back economically as a country? And the whole thing of like, economically, how can you say something like that? That's how we feed ourselves, you assholes. That's how we put, we pay our rent. That's how we feed ourselves. That's how we have the money to put, you know, into driving our cars to get to work and back. Economically, that it is such an ivory tower kind of a thing to act like, oh, it's just uh, businesses, it's just buildings, it's just whatever. These are foundations for a way of life for people. I, I there, there were a number of, uh, yeah, I think it was predominantly women for whatever reason, uh, but uh, poor black women that I, I saw on Twitter, uh, I retweeted a bunch of their stuff. It was so heartbreaking. It was like, one of them says, one of them is Chicago, something like, I work at the Walgreens. I shop, my family shops for food at the grocery store right by there. Both of those are gone now. What am I going to do? Like, the elitism of, oh, well, you can't blame people for rioting. Are you shitting me? It, it, the, the, the ripple effects of the destruction on predominantly the poorest and most disadvantaged among us from the rioting, as you pointed out, they're the ones that suffer the most. That's just, that just, if anything could make me black out from anger, basically, it would be that. This whole notion of who gives a shit about the rioting. Uh, I do because of the ripple effects on people's actual lives, Jake Digman. Yeah. But it is how you make sustainability. But if you notice this, it's not hit the most during this, you know, this pandemic. It's the local mom and pop business. Yeah. And it's not these corporations that are, are taking hits. Oh, they'll come on there and do this little, little pig and pattern like, oh, well, we took a 10% discount or, or, or whatever off of their, their, their salaries. But it's like, no, no. You, you are the ones that came in, first of all, wiped out all of these small businesses. Yeah. And now we situations where these people are, you know, set up and has been quarantined and now we've got, you know, I mean, let's, let's not forget, there was not just, you know, uh, George Floyd, there was also Breonna Taylor that happened yes. at the exact right at the same time. So it's like, and that's a whole other, like, seriously, and they haven't been charged. And right. how do you not get charged? I'm sorry, but, you know, in any other job, that if you're doing your job, and then all the weird at your job ends up because you made it wrong, kill somebody, I'm pretty sure you go to Right. <laughs> right. I'm like, man, I don't know if I can ever go back into that. 
Yeah. It's 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 a hell of a thing. It's a hell of a thing, Jake. And, and again, I will say, you know, and and I this was on the tip of my tongue when you were talking before, so I'm going to remember to make the point now. The one thing that I think when we're talking no easy answers here is police reform. That is that's going to be one of the hardest matters in society. That's almost going to take like a Manhattan project of really smart people to figure out in terms of that because there is something to the notion that you will hear from the police unions of there needs to be trust, there needs to be a brotherhood, there needs to be whatever. There is that. And nobody likes a rat. Uh, I, I've, I've dealt with rats in the workplace. We all have. But it's a thing where somebody's not being a rat if they are reporting actual wrongdoing. That is a position of public trust. And it's a thing where, and again, me being intellectually honest to a point, you know, to a fault, it pains me like I can't tell you that, that somebody like uh, you know uh, Julian Castro, who I think is a huge political hack, actually had a point that I'm going to bring up here, which is there needs to be a nationwide database of police who have lost their jobs due to misconduct because it is like whack-a-mole. They pop up in other areas, uh, they, they get fired in other areas, and uh, just, just go on to do that. That's one thing right there that would cut down on the spread of this kind of stuff because, again, it is completely a public trust kind of a position. If you are a police officer, a sheriff, anything like that, you have the public's trust in your hands, and the vast, vast, vast majority out them, I, I believe, and I believe I'm not being naive to say this, but I believe the vast majority of them, and I've known a, a decent number myself, and they all meet the heading of being good and decent people who only want to help. Uh, but for the ones that aren't there, Rooting them out is, it's, I mean, it is supremely important. But again, Jake, how we get from here to there, I don't have any idea. And, and I like to think I have ideas in a lot, a lot, a lot of areas. This is not one of them. Uh, this is going to have to be something that, I mean, I mean uh, it's a very good idea. I'm actually amazed we don't have a national database of this already. Um, that That is something that is very sorely needed. Um, a lot of this also depends on, you know, the, lo the location of mm -hmm. Interesting. 
you're a NASCAR driver, and you work on this car forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and then you finally got the chance to drive. Well. And that was just kind of, and I'm like, all right, you know, I just think, you know, it, that culture that has just prevailed forever in this country from, like, the origins of, you know, what policing was to what it is now, it needs to have a complete overhaul in The first thing that needs to be done is, like, a psychological evaluation, I think. Because, you know, you, you need to know who these guys are coming from, and it has to be done independently because, unfortunately, uh, the yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's very tough. You have internal affairs, but internal affairs, they're looked upon as rats. Yeah, internal affairs are like, it's like anybody who's ever seen any movie ever knows that internal affairs are the bad guys. You know? They don't, they don't, they make no, they make no, uh, don't try to hide that. So, there needs to be, a, it has to be, you know, it almost it goes back to the whole secret society thing. And I'm going to post something to you, and if you don't feel comfortable answering, you don't have to. Yeah. No, go, go ahead. I just saw I saw a political cartoon and it was it was interesting. So the political cartoon, you know the uh, the Marilyn Monroe where her skirts going up. Yes. The, the, that is Marilyn Monroe, right? Yeah, it is. That is. Okay, so it was that was the cartoon, and on the top it was they were in a KKK outfit, and underneath it was the, the police officers' shoes. <laughs> and the these uh, yeah. So in certain areas, do you think that the prevalent issue that the that's why we're in what we're in right now. I, listen, I, I mean, I, I want to say no, but then, I mean, I, I look at Buffalo where, what was it, 57 officers resigned in protest of the two guys getting disciplined. And yes, they were getting disciplined for assaulting a white guy, but it still is a matter of 57 officers who don't appear to think uh, that they're not above the law. I, I still, listen, and, and anything that I ever, ever say in any way about this with the police is, is painful for me. I, I, I always think of myself as having been a big supporter of them, appreciator of what they do for us and everything like that. But I will tell you, and this is going to segue to some of the uh, aspects of race that I'm going to bring up a little bit later on in terms of just keeping our ears open, that you learn a lot by listening. And I, there was a case uh, many, many, many years ago uh, a guy who was, became a friend of mine, he was really more of a friend of a friend. He was a retired Cleveland cop. I bowled with the guy briefly. And he regaled me with some stories about when he was a cop, of some of the stuff that they did. And whether it be chasing minorities around in their cars just for fun, to stealing money at crime scenes, to whatever, I was standing there, I'm trying to keep a poker face. I don't want to be rude and be like, that's some of the worst, shittiest stuff I've ever heard. I think I just kind of grunted at him and whatever, didn't give him a reaction. Uh, but it was like, he felt comfortable telling me this. He thought I would find it funny. And I'm, I'm just standing there like, how does this square with my image of the police? So, I mean, there's, I, that's when I started to realize there's more bad apples than I realized. And it, and it really hurts me to say that. It really, really does because uh, the, the bad apples hurt all of society so disproportionately. They hurt their fellow law enforcement officers who are trying to do the right thing. But this is one of these things where, and it kind of segues to a point that I'm going to make here shortly on race, of how much you learn just by listening, keeping an open mind, and being intellectually honest. Because if you don't have any kind of barriers in your mind to believing and understanding things, uh, it, it, it's remarkable the things that, will, that, you know, 
that will come into your mind that you will learn about. And it doesn't necessarily mean that your entire worldview. See, I, I'm very confident in my worldview. I can hear something like that and not be like, oh my God, if I, if I get upset by this, it might make me anti-police. I know I'm not anti-police, but I can be mad at the bad ones. I can react with outrage when I hear something like that. And that's, I think there's just a lot of people that aren't secure enough in themselves to, to hear something that is not what they want to hear but is nonetheless true. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It's one of those things you completely, you know, face it head on. And this is the thing that is absolutely powerful in what we're seeing right now, which gives me a chance to make this moment of glimmer of hope here, actually, that we, you know, might actually see some change coming out of this, is that there have been officers that have stepped over that line that have said, you know, no, what you're doing is wrong. And what you've done is wrong. And the people speaking out, you know, you, you mentioned the phrase pedicles, and... The problem, what happens when the bad apples are the ones that are in control of all the other apples? Right. <laughs> then it's like, you know, then you're investing everything. Yes. It's like, that's where things need to come in of, you know, let's, you know, I told you we make it pro wrestling. I told you to mention you get back to there. It reminds me of the, you know, the Google Network in pro wrestling that was running, you know, things back in the day, you know? That's you right. Of that, you, you weren't getting a push. You weren't a part of it. You were a part of this. You know what? Well, I don't care how good you are. You were a part of this. And that is where the people that come in that do everything right that are, you know, want to help people and do, you know, the, the, the superhero that is put out to be a police officer in America. Because that is one of the things that is, you know, police officers, firefighters, are, you know, soldiers are put out there as, like, superheroes to children. Am I, would you agree? They, they are. They are. And it, uh... You know, and, and by the way, side note about that, how ironic is it that the, the, the greatest political player in the history of pro wrestling, Hulk Hogan, also somebody who dropped N-bombs and got in trouble for it. See, purveyors of wrestling politics, guys who drop N-bombs, it all does tie together, Jake Digman. We're the, that's why we're the best at what we do. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> I am not going to argue. And that's where... You know, when you're talking about that and, and keeping your ears open and everything like that, from my point of view, and I referred to this before as far as whether you want to call it woke white people or whatever, but the, the ones with the moral superiority of, look at how open-minded and tolerant I am as opposed to the rest of you bigots who share my white skin. I'm a guy that was on the receiving end of that an awful lot. Uh, growing up and then subsequently coming from Parma, which is a suburb uh, of Cleveland where, if you don't know about it nationally, uh, we did have a mayor who was a big-time racist back in the day, uh, Mayor Petruska, and this is a guy where he, he got the city sued and there was low-income housing that had to be put in the city because I think he was caught on camera saying some, something overt, like we kept the blacks out or something like that. And it just basically gave everybody there... Uh, a, a really, really bad name. It was a thing, it, it would have been so funny if they followed through on They were maybe going to name one of the low-income housing places Petruska Gardens, just knowing what an affront that would have been to him. I would have loved to have seen it. That would have really stuck it to him like nothing else ever would have, because he stuck everybody that lived there with that reputation. So if you're somebody like me growing up, and certainly on the right side of the spectrum, a child of the late-era Cold War, and, you know, Roman Catholic, that's where I get my, you know, sense on social issues like, you know, pro-life and whatever. So basically, so I'm growing up on the right side of the uh, spectrum where I've always been. You, you combine that with being from Parma and everybody just assumes that you're a racist. And I will say that I didn't, you know, I didn't think of it at the time, 
but you know, cer certainly looking back, I had a lot of defensiveness about that, and you know, not a willingness really to listen on a lot of this stuff. And that's where, and again, and like I would never call myself at this point enlightened, because I think if you if you're a white person calling yourself enlightened about race, you're a self-important, pompous, self-congratulatory asshole. And I will never be one of those people. I I will, you know. Well, thank you, thank you. I mean, I will just say that I I think I I I think right now I have a pretty good understanding of things. Certainly better than I did previously. I mean, part of that picture is. Just about every uh, black person I've ever known has had stories of, you know, stuff that they've been through because of their race. I mean, it's just one of these things where if you're keeping an open mind and you hear this, it, like, it all adds up. It all does really add up to, yeah, I mean, you know, basically, I mean, didn't Chris Rock have a routine about that? You know, he would look out in the audience like, none of y'all would change places with me, and I'm rich. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know if it's to that degree or not, but it's like, you know, would, would you change places with the average black person based on circumstances? If it's just a random draw, you change places or whatever, you know, you know, hey, maybe it comes out that, you know, you get to live the life of Shaquille O'Neal or maybe, it, you know, you become a disadvantaged person. Like, I would not join that lottery because I understand that there could be bad things happening there. <laughs> 